Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast, where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, we are, uh, we're kind of, how do I want to put this? Getting into something incredibly recent at this <laughs> point. Yeah, um, we're, we're uh, doing an entire episode about Hickman stuff today and um I mean I'm rereading this stuff but I feel like I just read it yesterday because it's all relatively recent you know we're saying that we are saying that Hawkspox came out two years ago that's crazy yeah we're two years into this now it's nuts like one of the stories we're gonna talk about came out like like these all came out like last year or two years ago. Like these mm-hmm. are, these are very recent. But I mean, the three months off from the pandemic, I think, have blown up everybody's mind a little bit. Yeah. And even now that we're back in like the normal rhythm, and have been for a bit, I think that like it feels like everything is in this weird frozen state still. And maybe that's just because the world's terrible. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it definitely has uh, thrown off like publishing schedules and, you know, who knows where we're at in this story now. But uh, it was fun to go back to uh, these uh, three we're going to do today and pick apart some details that maybe I had missed or, you know, had forgotten about. So it was cool. It, it was cool because I last week. Last week, we had stories that I did not care for. You mm. did not care for. No, not not very much, but I liked these. Yeah, I feel like in, in all in all ways that are relevant, these are better. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's dive right into these because uh, Patreon supporter Dana uh, said, I would like you to talk about uh, the Hickman New Mutants that came out, and we're going to do that. If you want to be like Dana and be a cool supporter who tells us to do cool things. By the way, really what Dana said was anything Hickman. Right. So that was the whole prompt. I apologize. It was just anything Hickman. And we already did every non-Hickman's X-Men run X-Men story that we could conceivably do. <laughs> I think we've been uh, clever here today. We've got some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we're starting with New Mutants uh, by Jonathan Hickman and Rod Reese. Uh, this is New Mutants. Okay, so New Mutants had a weird publishing schedule. So this is New Mutants 1, 2, 5, and 7 because they were interspersing a story about Glob Herman and Armor and Magic. Not even Magic. She's not in this. Boom, and boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. In between these issues. Uh, we're not going to talk about that right now. I personally liked that story. Didn't love it, but did like it. It had Glob Herman and Boom Boom, so it was going to be a real stretch for me to dislike <laughs> it, and I tend to like Ed Brisson's Glob Herman. So. Well, I think it's important to mention that off the top of the bat, because um, 
it does present a weird publishing thing for this particular title um, because you you have a little bit of whiplash going between those. And I think one of the things I enjoyed most about going back and reading these four issues was reading them in a row. Because when I read these in originally, I was reading the Brisson arcs in between. Um, and this, this four issues kind of feels like a little mini that could have been an intro to a full length series. Um, and having it broken up by Brisson's other arcs. And I'm not saying we're not going to talk about those today. Um, I, I enjoyed them as well, but it really didn't do any favors for the story. I think it probably did favors for artist Rod Reese, who got extra time to make these uh, issues look extra beautiful, which they do. Um, yeah. Can we can we start with talking about Rod Reese? I know that, yeah. that the request was anything Hickman, <laughs> but I'd rather talk about Rod Reese right now because... I was not hot on Reese before this. Uh, mm-hmm. He had, for Marvel, he had done some work uh, on the Captain America series that uh, S- S- Nick Spencer did, and I did not enjoy that. He did a lot of work on Secret Empire. He did backups, or the he did some flashbacks for that. He did some stuff with the Winter Soldier. Uh, it was stories that I did not like. Uh, it had a, he had a real, and again, I'm, I love Rodriguez, so I'm just <laughs> telling you where I came from to where I am now. He had a real, we couldn't get Phil Noto vibe for a while. Okay. It was the soft lines and all that stuff. Uh, and he still definitely is coming from some of that same family of artists as Noto is. But in New Mutants, he is pulling in the classic Bill Sienkiewicz sketchy inks kind of influence and the painted colors uh, that are a bit less soft and grounded and a bit more vibrant and like emotional versus what he had done in the past when they were very cool. And it makes a world of difference. He went from an artist I was not hot on to like one of the best in the business. He's so freaking good. He is so yeah. freaking good. And we'll talk about him with another story later on in this episode. But um, the even just the first couple of pages of this, um, which are Rain um, being uh, born, you know, from an egg and just kind of taking in Krakoa. Um, he he's specifically drawing rain as Maisie Williams. Um, it's, it's very obvious that that's the, the photo reference there. Um, and it works. It's just absolutely gorgeous. She has this vibrant shock of red hair. And, uh, as you go through these, these issues, we get all of this fun stuff for Rod to play with. And I, I think, um, what you're describing in terms of the stories that he used to work on versus getting into this world of X-Men, he's, it, it does him such a favor to be able to make uh, such like b- more interesting choices color wise, you know, like big punches mm-hmm. of purple and pink and red. And, you know, he's got colorful characters here to play with and it, it makes the storytelling much more interesting. Um, I don't think it hurts that this is kind of just a, a fun story that Hickman is uh 
allowing the new mutants to go on a little bit of a road trip here and bump into some real fun space stuff. I think that helps too. Yeah, the 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 thing about Jonathan Hickman that I think people know but they don't like know no in their heart and soul. Like you can you can get it if someone says it to you, but it takes a second. Jonathan Hickman is a big old new mutants nerd. He loves the new mutants <laughs> so much. Specifically Sam and Bobby, but really the whole team. Uh, he cares so much about the New Mutants. Uh, and they work really well here. Uh, it's it's a team where... I say team. They they all live in a house now together. Because <laughs> yes. they're on Krakoa and they're roommates. And, well, Bobby DaCosta is like, man, I miss my best friend. He should He should enjoy <laughs> paradise with us. Well, not so just he that. hitches a ride. Yeah, it's not just that though. He he is worried that Sam is like, you know, losing his edge and being uncool and getting a dad bod and all this stuff. And he's got to go. Th- that's the 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 key to this story is that Sam wants to go rescue Bobby. I mean, Bobby wants, Bobby to, go wants to go rescue Sam. Sam. Thank you. It's and it's from being a, married. It's such a stupid fun premise that it gets. Like, if nothing else in this arc, Hickman gets uh, Roberto so, so well. Like, he just understands this character and is smart and stuck up, but also kind of stupid way, you know? There's people who, and I can appreciate this, there are people who don't care for Hickman's portrayal of Bobby in relation to some of the work that well, Hickman was doing at the end of his Avengers, and then mm. also Al Ewing was doing in his New Avengers and USA Avengers uh, books that really featured a lot of Sam, or not Sam, ugh, I did it too, uh, a lot of Bobby uh, maturing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I totally can appreciate that. On the other hand, I think it's pretty fair to say that now that he's not running a... Uh, aim uh, and mm-hmm. he's back living in a dorm room with all of his friends that he may regress a little bit to being the stupid teen bobby that we <laughs> all love and the business sense is still there i mean this is a story that does involve him uh romancing uh, a high <laughs> level royalty and eventually buying an outer space apartment complex and raising the rent i mean he is still being like you know, s- smart businessman Bobby. Uh, at he the also same has time. he also has the best space lawyer money can buy. He thinks he has the best space lawyer. Turns out he has uh, what is what is the Matt Murdock alien? Uh, oh, you're talking about Murd Blurdock, yes. the seeing bean. Here's the thing about here's the thing here's here, the data page at the end of number one. Because right. this is a Hickman comic, so there's data pages. The data page at the end of number one that is an ad for Murd Blurdock, forgotten character from two pages of Al Ewing's Rocket series. Uh, that is a joke that Murd Blurdock is an echomelian, a reptilian species that lacks eyes, uh, mm-hmm. but they can see by way of echolocation. <laughs> uh, but Murd, uh, when he was a child, was struck by radioactive. Uh, Originium, uh, and it caused his uh, echo him to lose his echolocation, which is tragic, tragic that he loses his echolocation. 
But he does have two eyes now. <laughs> so he's the seeing being, the sentient without self-preservation. <laughs> and he works as a law firm with Frogert Froggy Frelson. <laughs> if anybody didn't catch all those Daredevil references before that... <laughs> It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and at one point, at one point, he leaves. It. This is not in this. This is in the Rocket series that I just reread because I love it. This made me want to reread that. If you haven't, go reread Al Ewing's Rocket. It's Al Ewing and Adam Gorham. Uh, it's about Rocket and Technet yeah. pulling a heist. Yep. <laughs> uh, but in that series, there is a part where Murd is going to be a lawyer, and then since everyone else is Echomelians in there, they can't see. Uh, his girlfriend, who is dressed like Electra, <laughs> runs into the courtroom and holds up a sign that just says, Come fight ninjas. <laughs> and then he leaves. <laughs> Which is such a great distillation of what Daredevil is all about, isn't it? Um, it really that's... is. Anyway, Murd Blurdock is the worst space lawyer money could buy. Yeah, and the reason they need him is because they hitch a ride with the space jammers who are... Star well, Jammers, you know this, buddy. Buddy, they're gonna. What did I say? You said Space Jammers, like the oh, like the Jesus LeBron Christ. James movie. Yeah, oh, that's why my daughter watched Space Jam today. <laughs> I luckily got out of watching it. Um, okay, it's not so, good. Uh, no, the Star Jammers are on a pirate mission. They are gonna go steal something. Which is not revealed in this story. We we learn later in continuity that it's the... No, um, it's revealed. It's revealed what it is. They say it's the king egg. Do they? Oh, is that on a yeah. data page somewhere? Did you Maybe. skip the data pages, Adam? Listen, I've read these books before. You know, I, I maybe <laughs> skimmed a data page or two. You know what I mean? Did I did I skim the Death Commandos pages? Yes, I did. The Death Commandos pages are great because it has stuff about Sega, who's a coward, and also about the two Death Commandos, one of which uh, does not eat solid material for ethical reasons, and one of which does not eat solid matter, but not for ethical reasons. <laughs> I remember it's them being pretty really good. Funny. Yeah. So anyway, they the start. Jammers are there to uh, steal the brood egg. Um, the new mutants think that they're going to go rescue people that are like imprisoned on this uh, this station. Turns out there are no people on this station. Um, they steal the egg, give the star jammers like the empty suitcase, basically end up in uh, Shi'ar prison and then break out and have to deliver Deathbird to you say new- break out. You said, hold on, no. They oh, don't, they don't get, get bro- broken out. Broken out. No. Their space lawyer screws up real bad, and yes. they get sentenced to forever, and then Smasher and her husband Cannonball show up and say, hey guys, uh, you're convicts now, uh, and you're released <laughs> to our care. Yes, please come with us. Uh, that, But Smasher promptly gets them conscripted into the, the Shi'ar army, uh, so that they can go and get Deathbird back to um oh what is her name what is the new queen's name Zandra. what is it Zandra. Zandra, right uh which is a uh you know i you and i were were kind of going back and forth just briefly about this today i feel like it's very interesting to see what from the couple of years before hawks pox gets brought into current continuity and like some stuff gets like who cares about it but i like that something like that which came out of mr and mrs x 
uh, gets brought over and is is still part of the story. I, I think that's great. It was a wild pull because yeah. here's 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 a philosophy about Hickman. He truly loves to play with the toys that are in the toy box mm-hmm. and make sure there are new toys in the toy box and that if there are underappreciated toys that he that someone gets to play with them too like Xandra is we've talked about that Mrs Mr and Mrs X run yeah we have it's fine it's it's Xandra is more interesting in concept than anything else uh but her existence adds this whole wrinkle to the Shi'ar, which Hickman, being a Legion of Superheroes fanboy, <laughs> freaking loves. Uh, which is great for this, because now they have to go rescue a very mean lady named Deathbird. So that she can advise Xandra, uh, and also so that there's someone who's not an actual baby child on the throne of the Shi'ar Empire. I think it's a fantastic uh, use of the character. I also remember distinctly being overjoyed to see the Shi'ar Death Commandos um, from End of Grey's being brought back. And it seeing, rules. It yeah, rules. And, and just seeing those characters back, um, getting their butts whooped by the New Mutants, which is really, really funny to watch. Uh, I, I think the one thing that is probably going to be hit or miss for people with this series, this particular arc is the, you know, fourth wall breaking, um, Bobby narration stuff uh, that also extends to, you know, like you were talking about the, the death commandos, uh, data pages, but I remember specifically people getting teed off when the last issue came out, came out and there was, instead of a fight sequence, um, there was a one-page data page that was basically like a board game, right? Like it was a tabletop Listen, game, and people I'm were people like, "Because Wait. you're you're remi- you're you're thinking about me, Adam. You're thinking about <laughs> my your friend's reaction to that. it. Wasn't just you. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't. And I think at the time, part of it was the publishing schedule made mm-hmm. that a very frustrating thing. Part of it is that. It is one of the jokes that doesn't really land. Like Hickman, Hickman tries too hard sometimes. <laughs> uh, like, and we're not talking about it on this episode, but uh, issue number three of X Men about the old ladies. He just he tries a little too hard to be funny sometimes. And I think on that page, it's a combination of he's trying too hard to be funny and clever, and also. I would rather see Rodriguez do a really cool double page spread, but that's just me. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, even just another page of uh, fight sequence would have probably been just as cool, you know, maybe like six more panels of punching. And I, I would have loved to have, to have re- like looked at that instead. So there's this, uh, I don't know how to describe it. There's, there's a quality to this storytelling that's a little bit smarmy and kind of like, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And if you mm-hmm. can't get on board with that, I can see you maybe looking at this and going, oh, maybe this isn't for me. For me personally, I enjoyed it. I think it's funny. Um, I, I like the the characterization of um, the old crew getting back together and going on this adventure. And uh, and some of the, the new ones that get to hang out like yes. Mondo and Chamber. Yeah. Uh, Mondo but, finally 
finally got something to do after 30 years. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, so I, I like this quite a bit. Um, and I, like I said before, I just think it would have been so much better if this had just been the first four issues of the, the series. But, you know, that was just how they decided it reads, to put it out. It reads so much better as just one chunk here. It, it really does. does. All right. I feel so much happier about it. Yeah, me too. Um, I highly recommend people go back and, and read it as this chunk yep. instead of, you know, going back it's and It's good. It is. It's really fun. All right. Let's rank this bad boy. All right. We do rank bad boys on this podcast. Uh, we've <laughs> ranked 531 bad boys. Uh, the baddest boy of them all being House of X Powers of Ten uh, by Jonathan Hickman mm-hmm. at number one and Pepe Larraz and R.B. Silva. Others as well. You got you got some really cool Monte Grassia colors on that one. <laughs> I forget who lettered Hawksbox. I'm sorry. You're getting real quiet. Uh, number ten, though. Like, you all right there? <laughs> I know. I got close. Not ten. Number one hundred is Messiah War. Number two hundred on our list is the X Force Road Trip. Number three hundred on our list is Uncanny X Men Annual 1995. Uh, that's the cult one. Uh, number 400 on our list is New Mutants 36, Subway to Salvation. Number 500 on our list is the Shatterstar Saga from X-Force and the Dracos at the bottom. Adam, I'm pretty sure this breaks the top 100. Well, <laughs> This let's is see. better than at, Messiah War. Yeah, at 100 we have Messiah War, and I, I agree. I think this is a lot of fun. Um, I don't know how classic it is you know what i mean like i i do wonder about its lasting power so for example a couple of spots above that at 96 is executioner's song and like i still think that i will go revisit that before i would go revisit this um you know even a little bit above that at 91 is fallen angels and i I don't know. I think I would probably rather read that. So I don't know how high I'm really willing to go here in the 100s. What were I you think thinking? we're I think we're in the I think we're in the low 100s because you get to a point like 80 on the list is the first Legion arc of New Mutants, and I think to me that's unimpeachably better. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Like um, this is this is not even the best that this run of new mutants has gotten. That's that's Vita's Vita's friend of oh. the show, Vita Ayala, uh and Rod Reese, uh yes. are if, doing incredible work. If you're not reading their new mutants, go pick it up. Out. It starts on issue fourteen, and I think they've done six issues so far. Oh my gosh, please go pick up their new mutants. It's it's amazing. It's probably my favorite X-Men book that's coming out right now, like on a consistent basis. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, love it. Yeah. Here's what I'd say, though, Adam. Okay. Yeah. You got you got some other stuff, like Marvel Fanfare 40s at 82, which I think is pretty darn good. Yeah. I think, for me, you get to a point around where I have highlighted 84 to 90 you got Age of X-Men Next Gen, the Shiva scenario from Wolverine, Ultimate X-Men World Tour, X-Factor, The Longest Night, Giant Size X-Men number one, uh, Cable Volume 3, Waiting for the End of the World, and X-Men Alpha Flight. I would probably say this is better than... I would I would say that I start to have questions around the Shiva scenario at 85. Oh, see, no. 
I disagree completely. I, I think that um, all of those stories that you just mentioned, I think are, are, are more interesting. X-Men alpha flight for sure is more, is, is more of a classic than this. Okay. Yeah. You like, no, well, you like X-Men alpha flight and yeah. I don't. So I think that's the key difference. No, but, but even let's take 92, which is uncanny X-Men 314 early frost. I mean, like that's a character building issue that I think is going to stand the test of time. Um, and I think this is better than that. Yes, I agree. All right, if we're okay, if we're going to compromise though, I don't think I can put this ahead of Fallen Angels. You know, I I, I just, will compromise there. Yeah, I yes. think that's a good spot for it then. So this would be our new 92. This is of course This is 92. That is of course Fallen Angels with Bill the Lobster, not Fallen Angels that doesn't have Bill the Lobster. Yeah, we haven't we haven't ranked that yet. God save the person that Speak. decides to ask for that. <laughs> listen. Listen. I've got I got nothing. Nothing against Brian Edward Hill. No. I, no, it's I just a do misstep. not care for that. Brian Edward Hill's written stuff that I like. Yeah. Uh, his Killmonger series is freaking great. Yep. Uh, did not care for his Fallen Angels. And no. I have gotten yelled at for that in the past. Well. Um, but it was a bad comic. And Simon Kazersky, uh did an absolutely abhorrent job on art there. Again, Simon Kazersky, someone who I think has done pretty good art in the past bad on this one anyway can we talk about bill the lobster in a second sure uh now we're gonna do something i think that might surprise people with our next story because when we started talking about the next thing we wanted to do we started talking about individual issues of giant size um the one shots that hickman put out as sort of art showcases um with people like Dotterman and Rob Rice, uh, Rod Reese, and we just, I both think Both of you, which are friends of the show. They've both been on the show now that I say that out loud. Yeah, we're friends so with them. you just said, you were like, let's just do them all. Let's, let's put all giant size. And I think you, you made an intelligent decision there because this really is a story arc in, in a lot of ways, um, even with, you know, some, some detours. So the next story is... Giant size X Men one 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 one. <laughs> yeah, it's giant. It's the giant size X Men series that was published in two thousand twenty. Uh, it's five number ones. Uh, it's giant size X Men: Emma Frost and Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, Magneto, Phantom X, and Storm. Mm-hmm. And we've um, got it's. Yeah, who are the who are the art teams it, on this? Because that's very important. So on our on our capstones on the Jean Grey, Emma Frost, and Storm one, uh, you have Russell Dodderman doing the art with uh, Matt Wilson doing mm-hmm. his colors. Uh, on Nightcrawler, you have Alan Davis and Carlos Lopez. Alan Davis is also credited as uh, a writer on the Nightcrawler one because he's Alan freaking Davis and yeah. he understood the assignment, I guess. <laughs> uh, the Magneto one is by Ramon Perez, uh, and Rodriguez does the Phantom X issue. And if there's a story through all of this, if there's like one thing that's kind of going on through all of this, it's that Storm got messed up by the Children of the Vault, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of weird technology stuff happening Uh in a lot of weird places and the X-Men have to go help save their friend storm. Yeah. 
that is at least the main uh, plot of Jean Grey, Emma Frost, Phantom X, and Storm uh, as we go through. That that's the the through line. Um, it's bookended by Storm, you know, them finding the bomb and then defusing the bomb. Um, but in the middle, we're also getting stories about Nightcrawler investigating a uh, Sidri infestation at the abandoned X mansion, uh, real estate agent Which? Magneto um, buying the the island for the Hellfire Gala for Emma, and we get let's yeah all right we should probably just go through these in order right well let's 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 look at those two specifically because I think the rest of them we can talk uh uh about more or less as a whole or at least in continuity or as a continuous unit yeah absolutely nightcrawler one so all of these you know you mentioned art showcase these were very much done in marvel method very traditional marvel method uh in that hickman wrote a paragraph of this is what this issue has to do like this is this is the high level beats of the issue figure it out from there and then I'll like then you make a comic and then I'll I'll come in and I'll do my my deal with it. It's what Stan Lee did. <laughs> uh, on the Nightcrawler one, Alan Davis is Alan Davis who has written a lot of X-Men in the past. So he just kind of did his own thing and Hickman was like, "Yeah, I'm going to write some dialogue to make this all fit." <laughs> it's good. It's Alan Davis. Uh, for a certain value, I think Alan Davis is another artist who suffers from uh, digital coloring. Mm. Uh, Interesting. And I don't, I don't, I don't always love, and I, I've had that challenge with him since like him and Claremont doing uncanny X-Men in the mid two thousands. Hmm. I, I, I have that same pain points with some of that art, but he's, it's still Alan Davis. It's still great. I mean, it, uh, he's doing a great job, um, but there's not a lot to that particular issue. You know, it, it... there the the thing that's in that issue that is, I think, tied to the larger arc is a couple of things. One, Doug is in that issue. Right. We find out that Warlock has been just hanging out on Doug's arm mm-hmm. for scheme reasons. And it's a secret they, been... for some reason. He doesn't, they... he doesn't, doesn't want anybody to know. I assume at a certain point their their secret plan changed. Yes. <laughs> Which really means they came up with a better story, uh, and then they just worked worked it out from there and said, well, the, he's going to stop being secret now, but they're going to figure something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot going on with the Sidri Hunters, who are kind of like a techno-organic hive mind, kind of not, and they're all one race of bounty hunters, and that ties into some of the larger sci-fi concepts of Pox that really get readdressed in the main arc there then you have that magneto one which you were you were mentioning earlier your thoughts on that you think that's the weakest one of the bunch i'm not a huge fan uh, of the art now uh, you mentioned that that the artist is not the original uh artist that was planned to be for that book correct no uh ben oliver was original he does the cover for that issue he was yes. supposed to do the whole issue for one reason or another that didn't happen uh the book got released in july uh instead of when it was supposed to initially be released in march mm. uh part of that was some weird covidy stuff uh part of that was ramon needing some time because he had to do it marvel method 
and he got pulled in late in the game. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Ramon Perez. I have a piece of Ramon Perez art on my wall. I look at it every day. Uh, I, I think Perez does a great job on a lot of stuff. I think this one tonally is a little off because it deals with sea witches and doing a last crusade. It's, it's a weird issue. Um, I have nothing against Ramon Perez. I I think he's a, a, a very, very good artist. Um, I'm not in love with the the facial expressions, especially the uh, way that uh, Emma is drawn in this issue seems just a little strange to me. Um, the sea monster stuff where Magneto is is fighting the sea witches with uh, Namor, that stuff's great. I think it's fantastic. Um, but it just seems like that just take, keep in mind that like there's three issues out of these giant size that all tie together very, very tightly. And then you have this nightcrawler one where you're like, Oh cool. Alan Davis is doing his thing. And then this one is like this weird hellfire gala setup issue where, which we did not know what the gala was. No. So uh, it didn't feel like very much was happening here. Now I will say someone pointed out to me earlier today that the key that Magneto gets from the Sea Witches is still in Magneto's possession, that that could be an interesting plot point moving forward. Um, I it's, had completely this is, forgotten this is about very that. Much, this is very much a Hickman... Hickman does this in everything that he writes, where he has to do an issue to have a Chekhov's gun so yep. that he can use the Chekhov's gun later, and he hasn't done that yet with the mm. key. It'll and that's what up. this is. Yeah, it'll this come is, back up. This is a hundred percent set up so that when it does come back up, you'll be like, "Oh, I remember that!" <laughs> right? Oh, snap! He does it constantly. Yeah, but that one he is also definitely... in this issue. Yeah. What's? Oh, you want to talk about the lobster? <laughs> I think it's. I think it's very funny <laughs> that Jonathan Hickman got so frustrated with some people, <laughs> some people asking where bill the lobster was because because he was on that original uh piece of art and i just want to be clear they put out that art they could have taken away bill the lobster that's right i don't know i don't know why they didn't think that that x-men fans would glom on to the lobster uh anyway magneto does eat a lobster in this uh <laughs> which is implied to be a way that he can get us to shut up about the stupid lobster Yes, I think they said that at the con uh, at C two E two. They right? did. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's very funny that that was the reason. I also think it's very funny that it got people mad at Magneto eating lobster. Uh, which there was a great article that Ian uh, Gregory and Stephanie Burt wrote uh, for uh, the site about mm-hmm. uh, because it was a weird amount of backlash for a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, for the character. Yeah. Uh, but then yeah. there's the main arc of Giant Size. Right. Yes. yes, we have the two Daughterman issues um, bookending this, and then we also have this amazing Rod Reese uh, issue. So the first issue um, is the ode to Morrison and Quitely, and it's a like near silent issue where Gene and Emma go inside Storm uh, Storm's mind and try to just diagnose what's going on, and. It's just a, such an amazing showcase for Russell Dodderman to 
and, and Matt Wilson, whose colors are outstanding. But there's just these amazing visuals of kind of trees and uh, yin yang lions and like an elephant with it's... butterfly wings. Like it, it's just, it's both like an obvious homage to what quietly did uh in the new x-men issue but it's something new and just really beautiful so for me that issue specifically it walks the line between homage and just doing the same thing again okay and that I, I understand exactly what Dodderman is going for. And do not get it twisted. Dodderman is a incredibly talented artist. Again, I have Russell Dodderman art on this wall over here <laughs> that I look at every day. It's it's the one that actually got him X-Men gigs of the 90s throwback. Yeah. Uh, yeah with I've all of them one. jumping from the side. It's great. It's a great, great print. Um, this is almost too faithful of a adaptation of uh, the silent issue of New X Men was at one twenty one, to the yeah. point, to the point that I like when it's not just like if the framing sequence and like one or two panel pages were like the same setup, but you have the exact same beats, the exact same page layout for like eighty percent of the book, and that throws me off because because it's a silent issue like this it's the same story like it's done in a different way with different visuals but the story beats are the exact same it till the point where there's not a baby strangling another baby i was gonna say i that's not in this one that see that part's not i don't think it hues as closely as as you think it does i i think there's a little bit more visual inventiveness here the expressions on gene uh and emma as they're going through this just the the way in which the uh characters communicate with each other it's just very inventive and, and cool i mean obviously in the it other is. it is i just think frank quietly did it in 2001 okay but i mean just from from my taste i i think quietly does a very nice job it's a beautiful issue but daughterman's issue is more beautiful <laughs> it's you know what i mean it's not as um I, I i know what you are saying i do not know what you mean no okay let's let's put it this way it's it's not as crunchy a story you know what i mean like the new x-men story Agreed. has like a lot more um legwork to do to actually like dig into what's actually going on with that story you know, this has a very simple task. Look pretty and reveal that Storm has a bomb. You know what I mean? Like, right. there's not a lot to it. And I think that's been the major... We'll, we'll obviously still talk about Phantom X and, and the Storm issue, but I think that's the major criticism of these giant size books in general is that there's not a lot there there. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of, right. this is beautiful, but what's the larger story that's going along with this? And is it interesting enough to, to keep me occupied? So we should probably talk about probably the, the densest of these issues, which is the Rod Reese uh, Phantom X issue, which at the time really pissed me off. Um, and in retrospect, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, you got, you got really caught up on what was going on with Charles Soule's astonishing X-Men. And I, 
I love that for you specifically. It's not just that. I, it's, on the other hand. It's it's that, like, we were just talking about uh, bringing Xandra into, you know, Hoxpox continuity, to, into the Krakoan era. And the idea that Phantom X, you know, just, he's back, and uh, we're just going to kind of ignore all that stuff. It's fine. It really is. Because, you know, as I think you and I said uh, off air earlier, every writer and every um creative team that comes onto books and has their own run they they all pick and choose the things that they they choose to like acknowledge as canon or whatever i think a lot of anticipation had built up with some people including myself about the weird stuff that had happened to phantom x um at the end of astonishing and we were hoping that hickman would capitalize on that the fact that he doesn't it's fine uh, at the time I was kind of miffed because I was looking for something along those lines. The, that aside, the fact that he doesn't is fine. Um, because what he does do, uh, in the way he talks about the world and Phantom X and, uh, who we learn about his twin brother is pretty uh, darn fast. Automaton weapon 15. Right. Yes. Uh, here's 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 my thing, Adam. Yep. I freaking love Phantom X. Phantom <laughs> X is so good. I love Phantom X is the worst, and I love him. It's this is this is an entire issue of gorgeous, inane Weapon X nonsense, and it's got the world in it. But it's got the world. They go to the world. And they go to the world in multiple different timelines. Yep. Uh, he brings the Howling Commandos there once. He brings the Hellfire Club there once. Uh, he brings the Humungonauts. <laughs> uh, you know about Rustbot, Mohawk Person, Emotopool, and Red Eye. Yes. The Humungabot Nuts. <laughs> yep. Uh, the 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 star character find. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. The sensational character find of 2020. The Humungonauts. Oh uh, they're great. I love it. Love that one of them is just uh, one of the bad guys from the Bad New Mutants movie. Um, <laughs> it's it's so good. It adds a weird wrinkle to Phantom X uh, that ties his origin to Mr. Sinister, mm. uh, which is, I say implied. They draw a friggin' diamond on his head. Yep. Like, that's, that's less of an implication and more of a, this is what's happening. Uh, but it works because it's tied to cloning and tied to weapons, all this stuff. It's great. I love it. Love it so much. Um, but at its core, it's this like very human story of Phantom X knowing that he's not as good as Ultimata, Ultimaton, mm-hmm. and wanting to understand that better. And Phantom X, his brain is actually programmed to think that he's the best of everything ever so him having to wrestle with that doubt makes for a really cool character beat for me also rod reese is an absolutely gorgeous artist and every page is just dripping yeah it's a great opportunity for rod to really cut loose um and it's it's a fantastic showcase um for his work and it's really interesting actually to see the um unrestrained way in which rod handles his issue and the the very geometric and contained way that russell daughterman uh illustrates the world in the final issue um with storm so well 
the basic idea here is that they need to get back into the world so that um, Storm can be saved, essentially. Um, Phantom X has his own motivations. Monet is along for the ride. Doug is along for the ride. And they eventually find this sort of device, this orb or triangle, or I think it's a diamond, actually, when they first see it or something, that can separate the, the Children of the Vault stuff out of Storm. So that works. Um, the conclusion of this story, which I think is fascinating, and we still have yet to revisit it, is that the Children of the Vault stuff kind of gets sucked into this world orb and talks to Doug. Like, it becomes kind of self-aware, um, which is fascinating. So, it is, because the world is all about evolution. Right. It's all about... Even even more so than the vault from the children of the vault, the world is about hyper evolution and going as fast. Like a decade passes for Phantom X, but millennia passes inside the vault. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it cool, and that's why you can. That's why if you ever go back to or not the vault, if you ever go back to the world and you're just riffing on Frank Whiteley's stuff, or or not Frank Whiteley, excuse me, Chris Bachelor's stuff. You're doing it wrong. Right. Because the world is about change and evolution and growth. And the parallel evolution of mutant kind in organic material with technology and AI and the singularity is the defining fight in Powers of X. Mm -hmm. Powers of 10, excuse me. It's, it's 10. <laughs> uh, so getting getting that here is really cool. Also really cool is that Russell Donovan draws real good and Storm gets to be real cool. Because yes. anytime Storm does something real cool, uh, it's real good. Yeah. Um, and we even get uh, Warlock taking the armor form around Doug that really looks like uh, our friends from Powers of Ten. Um, <laughs> it's... Oh, you think you... You think it looks like one of the phalanx? It sure does. It sure does. I wonder I wonder why the technarchy would look like the phalanx. <laughs> so uh, no, it rules. Yeah. Man, that's we talk about Chekhov's gun that Hickman has not fired yet. No, that I think is one of the most fascinating little things to know that that orb is still sitting in the world. And ultimatum is it what's his name ultimate automaton automaton thank you uh is like i'm not leaving i'm chilling i'm here you know and like all that is just still floating house. there you could pull that up whenever you want and it's so cool it's interesting and then we get more phantom x so yeah that'll be great so i think as a series if we're if we're talking about these as a series i think that in some cases it really works some cases i think it doesn't work um and if it's just an artist showcase i think it's a it's a mixed bag you get really high highs and then you get kind of you know okay this is kind of cool but um I think I want more story out of these issues, given what, I, especially as they were coming out, I, I was not like thrilled with what I thought was going to, when you put the words giant size on these and you put these marquee artists on them, I think I was looking for more like the Phantom X issue and all, all the issues and I, I didn't get that. Um, but they are beautiful. I, I figured, 
I think by issue two, I had accepted what the series was, and I came in with different expectations. It's very weird to me when we're ranking stuff that not only was coming out while the podcast was coming out, Mm -hmm. but that I feel like at this point, it's fair to say fairly established voices within the X-Men community Mm -hmm. at that point. Uh, So it's weird to hear everything about that and have that all so close, but issue rules. I don't think it's as good as new mutants, I would say it's better than number 101 right now, Messiah War. But I could I could see it see. going under Okay, can can I tell you my ceiling? Can I tell you my ceiling? Okay. My ceiling's Executioner Song. I think Executioner Song's pre- better. Cuz Executioner Song works as both an artist showcase and a really cool story. Sure. Yeah, I am I'm th- I'm thinking a little bit lower than that, honestly, because I I just don't think that it has the story depth that a lot of these other stories do. Is it beautiful? Yes, um, but is it as fun and interesting as even like I'm looking at one ten, uh, the new ac- new X Men twenty eight to thirty one Nimrod story, like. I just think that there's something a little bit flat about this, despite how beautiful it might be, you know, like, I don't think I could put this ahead of Inferno at 114. Dead silence. (laughs) I disagree. I think we, what is happening in these issues that is so like, that's the thing. Like I'm looking at the, the best artists in the industry doing cool stuff. I guess that's what's happening. I this. guess, but like, there's not a ton of lasting consequence to this. Storm yet again is given an opportunity to have an interesting story, and it's not interesting. It's she has a bomb and it gets diffused. That's the that's the two sentence, the one sentence story. Um, you know, Phantom X gets a cool thing. I think there's a cool pair of Easter eggs that are not Easter eggs, but like you, you said, Chekhov's guns that are sitting here. But aside from that, there's not a lot there to talk about here. And when I'm looking down these lists at the stories in the one hundreds, there's, there's stuff like happening in these issues that I, I think are, you know, a little bit more lasting. Um, this is, Here's what I will say. Yeah, I, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a comparison out there. Yeah, Necrotia is at 118. Yeah, are you telling me that you think Necrotia is better than this? Yeah, I would. I think Necrotia. That's insanity. It's not Adam. insanity because Necrotia is like a fun goth. Like, I don't know. I think there's more happening there. This is this is not. Uh, it's it's really do you think do i want to do i want to take every page of russell Dodderman's jean gray emma frost uh blow it up to poster size and hang it on my wall yes i do is there a story in most of these books that is going to be con- consequential or you know i don't think so i don't know that where's your floor 
I need to know. I need to know where your floor is. Hmm. All right. Let's see. We're we're in the same spot. I think we're probably in the top one twenty-five. You know what I mean? One twenty-five is astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, and this is better than that. Of Definitely. course, I've said a lot of things are better than yes. That this I, is I agree. That. I agree. Um. Uh, bu- 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 bu. I think. All right. I'm gonna come back up a little bit. I'm gonna go above Necrotia. I think that it's better than Howard the Duck at one thirteen. Uh, but I don't think it's better than Ladies Night one eleven. My problem is that we made this list so piecemeal that Ladies Night is under that under that Nimrod story from New X Men, and I'm like, I feel like Ladies Night's better. Maybe yeah. I do think this is this is so weirdly comparable. Uh, Art showcase, uh, Excalibur sixty one, Truth and Consequence, an issue that is fifty percent paintups of Phoenix fighting Galactus. Yeah, this with is, Alan Davis art. I'll give it to you. This is better than that. This can be our new one twelve, but I'm saying this out of protest. Uh, it's giant size X Men from Jonathan Hickman and friends. All right. I, I do think we have to keep recency bias in mind here, too. You know what I mean? Like, listen, there's recency bias, and then there's I just read it this week bias. <laughs> and I remembered, like, no, I had to I had to check myself, and I validated my assumptions that this rules. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Foxpox is the number one thing on our list. We can't, we, we have no leg to stand on and say, well, we may have some recency bias here. <laughs> Oxbox does roll. Uh, Giant size X Men. It's good. It's just like it's it's beautiful. It's it's all right. So we got to talk about Explodey Boy because we're going long here, my friend. We are. uh, It turns out shocking everyone. I have a lot of thoughts about this era of X Men. So just like Jonathan Hickman wrote 21 issues of his book X-Men without having a team of X-Men on it, we are going to do an entire episode about Jonathan Hickman's X-Men and not talk about Jonathan Hickman's X-Men. Instead, we're going to talk about Empire X-Men, uh, which is not just by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, it's by really the entire team. Uh, Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard uh, with Matteo Buffagini. Do the first issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second issue is by Jerry Duggan, Ben Percy, Leah Williams, friend of the show, uh, with Lucas Wernick. Uh, Lucas and Leah, by the way, are doing Trial of Magneto coming soon. Oh, exciting. Uh, so Very cool. Exciting about that. Issue three is by Zeb Wells, uh, Vida Ayala, and Ed Brisson, with Andrea Buccarato, uh doing the art. And then the last issue is all by Hickman, uh, with Jorge Molina and Lucas Wernick. Uh, we need to talk about how this came together, yeah. which I believe has been put on record now, but at the time, super wasn't. And I feel like if they would have <laughs> led with this, it would have explained so much for so many people. Yeah, they did this series like Exquisite Corpse style. So um, the the writers just wrote an issue and passed it off to the next person and the next team just kind of picked it up and wrote the next script and then passed it on to the next couple of people who didn't know what they were getting. And so um, I think the 
the last page of the first issue really kind of sums things up when they threw it to the second team and it said alien plants versus mutant zombies versus old ladies. <laughs> Cause because because each team, especially through issues two and three, yep. uh which which are really the jam issues, they're if you if you read this with the understanding of oh this is a bunch of friends trying to screw with the next person oh, definitely. and trying to make this the biggest problem for Jonathan <laughs> Hickman to work his way out of it's there's there's a delight in these in these if you like i i cannot imagine that this was anything but the most fun series to write how that turns into something to read is a different thing entirely but i i have to believe that everyone writing this was having the time of their lives until jonathan hickman got the very end of it and said i'll screw you guys i'm instead of this chaos i'm gonna make you really sad and feel emotions and stuff (laughs) boom because it's you're right because you're so not prepared for that ending I, and it works so well. I was shocked when this came out because this was a crossover. You know, I just in general, I I hate the X-Men being sucked into stupid line-wide crossovers. I absolutely hate it. I hated that they were involved in King of Black. I hated that they got sucked into Empire. They were involved for... Hold okay, on. I'm, just hear me out. I realize, I'm sorry. I realize I want to respect my I want to respect you. I want to <laughs> respect you. Here. I realize yes. King of Black was like a minimal involvement, you know what I mean? But still, don't take the characters like I I'm just possessive of the X-Men, you know what I mean? Um uh, shocking. When, shocking that anyone would be possessive of X-Men. <laughs> when Empire X-Men was announced, I was like, "Ugh, seriously. This is a freaking delight." It has everything thrown into it, but the kitchen sink. You've got really fun Black Tom stuff. He he like makes little Black Toms out of pollen. He makes his own gate. We get a Shadow King popping up uh, when all the psychics get called to the island. You've got horticulture. You've got Magic Angel and Monet as like this awesome uh, squad. Uh, zombies you you've got uh plant people uh multiple man comes out of nowhere to form like an army uh and to top it all off you 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 said it man we get this emotional beautiful thing with uh i'm hoping i don't know if this is true or not but it looks like the 616 version of bailey hoskins and he's never given a real name in this, uh, but it's a it's a boy that makes us feel sad that explodes. So it's Bailey. It's Bailey for me. Uh, it may it may legally not be Bailey, so that they don't give Max Bemis money. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's Explodey Boy, and he gets to talk to his zombie self. And uh, it's just in that fourth issue. It's just such a beautiful little scene that that really. So I, I don't know. I just I love it. Let's let's bring this back and talk about how this is framed because uh, we've we've said a lot because we know about it. The book opens up with the Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff, essentially feeling super guilty about the genocide she did. Right. Which fair. I mean, listen, <laughs> better late than never, Wanda. It's not. It's 
I know Wanda fans are about to be mad at me. It's not her fault. It's Rick Remender's fault. We can all be mad at Rick Remender. <laughs> it's so easy to be mad at Rick Remender. I do it constantly. It's great. Uncanny Avengers was a bad series. He still did put the words in her mouth and make her not be really caring that she did a genocide. So it's Rick Remender's fault, not Wanda's. Anyway, she goes and says, hey, Doctor Strange, I'd, I feel bad about the genocide I did. Can you help? And he says... Not really, but we'll, no, don't do this, Wanda. Anyway, Wanda goes and does it, and she rings a bigger bell. She tries to say, well, I'm going to undo a genocide, and that won't, like, redeem the genocide I did, but it will help. Anyway, she makes everyone on Genosha come back to life. It's a necrotia. Uh, but as zombies, <laughs> it, it's very literally a necrotia. <laughs> uh, and then she says... Ah, oh, dang it, I screwed up. And she runs away to find Doctor Strange, uh, who then we find out in the fourth issue. They immediately did fix it, but the th spell would be like, yeah, it's got like 30 days until uh, it'll actually get fixed. Luckily, they're on an island that no one wants to go to, so we should be fine. And then Doctor Strange goes and does his thing, which is great. But that last issue has this beautiful thing where a zombie from Genosha talks to himself and they just they have a good talk about like did i have a good am i having a good life is everything okay mm -hmm. and the zombie kid says that's awesome i gotta kiss a girl and we we don't really have a good connection and we're not gonna date but like i turned out okay mm -hmm. and that's a really like heartwarming feeling to feel and to read in this comic about this boy who then jetpacks himself into a plant monster's mouth and explodes. You don't have to know anything about M Empire. There's plant aliens that are invading. It's that weird. is That's the other weird. thing that I absolutely adore about this series is that you don't need to know a dang thing about Empire as a crossover. If you loved Empire and you know, you're a big fan of, of that crossover, cool. Um, I hope this was like, you know, some added frosting on your cupcake. But um, for for me, I, I'm not going to read the whole crossover. I liked that this was just its own weird, wacky set piece on Genosha that featured everything from swashbuckling Nightcrawler to Goblin Queen Magic. Um, you name it. Like like I said before, they threw it in here. And it's it's a delight. I just think it's a lot of fun if if for whatever reason you skipped it because it seemed, you know, like superfluous to what was going on in the story. It is kind of superfluous. Like there's not that if you liked uh, horticulture and you want to read more about them, they're in here. Um, but you don't need to necessarily read this many, but you would be missing out on a really cool showcase uh, of what the X writer room is all about. And I, I absolutely love it for that. It is. The only problem with it is, in comparison, not even the best X-Men tie into Empire. <laughs> oh, really? What, what was that? What was better? Uh well, there was there was the Vulcan issue where they go to they go. Oh, to okay. Feelings. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then and then there was the, the Magneto issue where Magneto wrecks stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, it rules. Yeah, that was pretty great. That was pretty great. 
this is this is I I am someone who read all of Empire, mm-hmm. and this is one of the top three stories from Empire. Uh, it's this. The other X Men one, and then uh, the Lords of Empire miniseries. A lot of people would say the uh, uh, Wiccan and Hulkling issue that Zdarsky and Anthony Oliveira did, which wasn't Ooh. personally one of my favorites. Uh, shocking everyone, I preferred the Alex Packnadel one, where Alex Packnadel has a lot of weird thoughts about society <laughs> as plant people. Turns out that's exactly my jam. Uh, Pack Needle's great. Go check out some of the freaking stuff he's doing. It's incredible. <laughs> Giga is so good that he's got going right now. Uh, anyway, we should we should rank this because this episode is already uh, too long. <laughs> it's giant size, um, and we, you know, it's that's okay. So I think this is a delight. Um, I enjoyed a great deal. Do you think it... I'm assuming that you think it's not as good as Giant Size, right? Because you were at bat for that at once. I have the exact same... I have the exact same feelings about this as I do Giant Size. Okay. I think... I think where Giant Size is an artist showcase... This is a writer showcase. This is a writer showcase. The art is also fantastic. I'm also... It is. But it's very much a series that was coming out bi-weekly very quickly. Yes. Yes. Uh, I say writer showcase. It's a lot of fun. If you're going in for a big, deep story, that's not what this is. No. And I knew that going in, so I was fine with it. Uh, but others wouldn't. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts? I assume you like this better than Giant Size. I think it's a lot more fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know? I, and I, I think it's trying things in a way that I really enjoy. So, um, yes, I, I, I think it's sort of this action-packed, really fun thing. Um, I see you have highlighted Emojo Mayhem at 103 and Marvel Team-Up 150 at 104. Marvel Team-Up 150 is an interesting comparison. Like, I, it's a fun kind of, like, silly thing uh, that's happening here. What, do you, what are your thoughts here? I think Marvel Team Up 150 is great, mm-hmm. but this one gets you in your gut. Yeah, <laughs> like at the end, at the end of it, it it's got two really compelling emotional hooks that surround the utter chaos in the center. Yeah, and I think that pushes it above for me. I don't think it's as good as something like Number 94, X Men Black, Emma Frost. No, uh, which is an artist showcase and a writer showcase and a big emotional gut punch. Yep. It's, it's got all of them. Um, but I still like it. Like, I think this is better than our current 100, which is Magneto triumphant, uh, from uncanny X-Men 111 to 113. Yeah, I would agree. I think if I was going to find a ceiling, it would probably be either executioner song or, uh, assault on gray Malkin at 98, uh, which is the Nisi as a Capolo run. Um, I would say Assault on Grey Malkin has that really, does have that really, really good first issue. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, So what do you think? Maybe this is our new 99? This will be our new 99. All right. Uh, Good showing. Good showing for Empire X-Men. The thing about the X-Men line in general right now is, regardless of anything and any missteps, and there are missteps, don't get it twisted, uh, pound for pound, it's never 
been a better time to be reading all of the X-Men books. I would agree. Uh, the, the the average quality is so much higher. Like, we picked three stories that I don't think we would say are our favorites of the era by any means. Look where we they... also have two... We also have two Hickman X-Men stories in the top ten, so, okay, I guess people know that we like these. Yeah, it's pretty good, Hopefully, y'all. Hopefully they like them, too. Uh, well, that's a wrap. Uh, and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully Dana enjoyed the episode. If you want to be like Dana, you can go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, uh, reach deep into your hearts and into your pocketbooks, and toss a couple of coins into our coffers. Uh, it keeps uh, everything going at the site. We've got some really cool things coming up. Uh, that I am blanking on right now because <laughs> I have to immediately get off of this call and start editing some of those really cool things. Uh, but yeah, you can find me there writing and editing. Uh, I podcast on this podcast, which you're already aware of. Uh, if you like X-Men stuff, one of our sister podcasts, uh, Chris is on Infinite Earths, hosted by the delightful Christi- Christopher and Christina Edelman. Uh, they're covering Executioner song. Yeah, so go check that out. <laughs> Uh, uh, and then, and then there was a really good interview with, uh, our other podcast, uh, on the site, WMQ and a, uh, with Crystal Frazier, uh, who did, uh, Gamma Flight. Nice. Uh, that's really fun. Very so cool. there's a lot of good pod content. If you like our vibes, Adam, what do you got going on? What kind of content are you providing the people? <laughs> Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Uh, Zach mentioned, uh, Chris's on infinite earths is doing executioner song and, I at least am scheduled to be on the third part of that. So uh, make sure you you listen to parts one and two and then tune into part three, which we haven't recorded yet. Uh, Zach, what are we doing next week? Next week, instead of being all about Jonathan Hickman, it's all about Quentin Quire. Mm. He's a pink-haired little piece of garbage, and I kind of <laughs> love him. But until then, folks, this has been Bally Adam, and we hope you... Survive the experience.